Welcome, market participants, to another Three Things in Credit. I'm Van Hesser, Chief Strategist at KBRA. Each week, we bring you three things impacting credit markets that we think you should know about. Stocks soared Monday and Tuesday of this week, marking the third best start to October since 1930. Oh, wait. That follows what Jim Reed at Deutsche Bank referred to as the worst September, Q3, and year-to-date of your career. Awfully presumptuous to assume, but okay, we'll go with that. And David Rosenberg reminded us that we've had 26 trading sessions in 2022 where the S&P 500 was up 2% or more, and we're down 21% on the year. So maybe we ought to curb our enthusiasm. All right, this week our three things are, one, CEO outlooks. Two new surveys offer interesting insights into what we're facing. Two, the ISM manufacturing PMI, what the latest reading says about inflation. And three, GM's surge in auto sales. You heard that right. We'll have a look. All right, let's dig a bit deeper. Two CEO surveys have come to our attention the past couple of weeks, one from KPMG and one from the Business Roundtable. KPMG's surveyed over 1,000 global CEOs across 11 markets from July 12th to August 24th, which was really the tail end of what we now know to be a strong bear market rally, so safe to say the data is a bit dated. But we still find broad themes to be informative. One, there is broad optimism in global growth prospects over the next three years, a view held by 71% of those CEOs surveyed. That is up materially from a year earlier when only 32% felt positive. Despite the optimism, 86% believe they will face recession over the next 12 months. Interestingly, only 58% believe that recession will be mild and short. We agree with the mild part, in large part because the financial system is relatively sound. We are more concerned with the short part of that equation, as we expect the Fed's higher-for-longer approach to monetary tightening will take some time to play out. Some 80% of those surveys have considered or will consider downsizing headcount in the next six months. And that should come as a relief to the Fed, which is looking for a bit more slack in the labor market to take some of the heat out of demand. What is the CEO outlook for earnings through that downturn? Some 71% expect an impact of up to 10%. And that contrasts with consensus earnings growth for the S&P 500 of 7.2%. For what it's worth, we're in the camp that earnings growth in 2023 will be down single digits. The top five risks cited in the latest survey have changed up from February. Topping the list is emerging slash disruptive technology, and we could not agree more. The pandemic period accelerated this risk as it pulled forward all sorts of technological developments that affect how and where we work and how we entertain ourselves. Jumping onto the list are operational issues, which no doubt speaks to issues encountered with supply chains, concerns over environmental slash climate change, as well as reputational risk. Gone from the list are cybersecurity, which topped the February list, and tax worries. Business Roundtable's survey came out September 14th based on responses gathered from August 12th to September 7th, so in and around the Jackson Hole Symposium and the disturbingly persistent inflation data. 
The findings, as you might expect, were a bit more cautious, with the economic outlook component down to the lowest level in two years, but still well into expansion territory. Consistent with this is the fact that 65% of those surveyed expect sales to increase over the next six months. Still, modest majorities expect CapEx spend and employment to be flat to down over the same period. All in all, this squares up with our view of the corporate landscape, cautiously facing an economic downturn that should prove to be manageable for the vast majority of firms, but challenged by, one, a wave of emerging and disruptive technologies, and two, the loss of the Fed put. You would be wise to pass your corporate line items through these two filters. All right, on to our second thing, the all-important ISM manufacturing number. The manufacturing in the U.S. represents just 11% of GDP, but manufacturing sentiment correlates closely with trends in risk assets. For example, there is a 67% correlation between discretionary investors' equity positioning and the ISM Manufacturing Index, according to our good friends over at Deutsche Bank. This week's latest update on the index is not a comforting development in terms of economic resiliency, but it is in terms of the inflation outlook. The September reading at 50.9 came in just above the 50 expansion slash contraction line, but missed the estimate of 52. More importantly, the reading has now fallen steadily over the past year from a high of 60.5. It is now at the weakest reading since May of 2020. Digging into the component elements of the total, we find that several are already in contraction territory, including new orders, export orders, which is a casualty, no doubt, of the super strong dollar, and employment, again, consistent with the aforementioned CEO surveys. All of that should come as good news for the Fed. Tightening and jawboning are working. The Fed also has to be pleased with what the index is showing on the inflation front. Prices paid is plummeting, along with backlog of orders and supplier deliveries. And for context, consider that supplier deliveries, a key measure of supply chain constraints, are now better than the average of the post-GFC pre-COVID period. In other words, we're back to normal. With this report firmly in the bad news is good news bucket, you can now understand why risk rallied significantly off the back of this report and why the market-implied terminal interest rate has come down over the past week from 4.7% to 4.4%. We certainly would not claim any greater visibility into whether the Fed might pause, much less pivot, but we do get a sense that time and tightening is working to cure inflation. Turns out that transitory just needs to be better defined, more like 18 months, rather than three. And all of this reinforces the likelihood that the recession will be a relatively shallow one. All right, on to our third thing, GM surprises. The days of what's good for General Motors is good for America are long gone, but GM apparently had a good quarter. We'll get the details on October 25th. GM announced this past Monday that sales unexpectedly jumped 24% in its third quarter, year over year, good enough to drive the stock up 9% and its credit default swaps in 15 basis points, 229. The company attributed the growth spike to strong customer demand and improved availability. We're not seeing any indications demand for our vehicles is softening, said Jim Kane, 
a GM spokesman. Overall, the consumer is being resilient. That's probably not good news for the Fed, but it is certainly good news for GM. The messaging on the demand part of the equation was unexpected given the pull forward of durable goods purchases during the pandemic and spiking interest rates post. But you can only buy what was available, so the improved availability part of this story speaks to something we just talked about, the repairing of supply chain constraints. Elsewhere in the release, highlights abound. Unprecedented customer demand for EVs, as well as the board addition of Tesla's former head of sales. Better than Ford sales of pickups and continued strength in large and luxury SUVs. GM is on pace to reclaim its position as the leader in U.S. auto sales, something Toyota grabbed last year, breaking GM's 90-year run. So as we look ahead, the issues are clear. Durable goods producers are facing a sales environment where you had significant pull forward and where you have much higher financing rates, low consumer sentiment, and what figures to be a weakening jobs market. In GM's case, it has devoted much attention lately to sorting out its own supply chain issues. And like most automakers, GM is in the beginning stages of the great strategic shift to EVs. So there is no shortage of issues surrounding this credit, something reflected in its pricing at the wide end of the investment-grade spectrum. But we have stronger conviction today in GM's ability to navigate challenging markets than was the case in the past. And we are comforted by the fact that GM reiterated its guidance in Q2 and that 77% of sell-side analysts that follow the stock have buy recommendations, something that's noteworthy, especially after the share price had been cut in half in 2022. And its strong sales quarter suggests that its product mix is working and the U.S. consumer's ability and willingness to spend continues to hold up for now. So there you have it. Three things in credit. One, CEO outlooks. Two new surveys suggest a return to growth once we get past this correction. Two, the ISM manufacturing PMI. Contraction is on the way, but inflationary forces are diminishing. And three, GM's surge in auto sales. The company is navigating the environment well, and the U.S. consumer will not go quietly. As always, thanks for joining us. Don't forget to check in on KBRA.com for our latest research and ratings reports. See you next week.